Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Tonight it is time for me to jump into my NRL Power Hour, the review of everything in the NRL Round 8. Plenty to get into, a lot of upsets in the round as well, so why not start with the first of many upsets. It was the Thursday night fixture where the Brisbane Broncos got it done, 16 points to 7, up against the Cronulla Sharks, who are firing on all cylinders, but the Broncos seem to be a danger side for plenty of teams, the Sharks included, and being back at Suncorp, having that full crowd and having that whole vibe that they didn't get over the course of COVID, well, the Broncos are really starting to turn things around, and the ambush could be on the cards. Broncos well and truly in the mix now for a spot in the top eight come finals time. One positive boost for the Sharks, though, was that Wade Graham returned on the bench, so really good to see their captain, Wade Graham, back in the mix. He is a huge part of their side, and if he can regain full fitness in the Sharks side the way they are going, well, then it is a really scary prospect for what Cronulla can still do. I know they lost to the Broncos here, but I think that was more a reflection on where the Broncos are at than where the Sharks are at. I still feel very positive about the Sharks overall, but Brisbane really starting to pull things together under Kevin Walters. Ben Eichen has been a huge, huge get for the Brisbane Broncos as well. And things starting to turn around, most definitely. So, look, I think two of the Queensland sides, the Broncos and the Cowboys, sitting third, they are danger sides for everyone in the competition right now. The Broncos, no matter where they're sitting on the ladder, they may, may not be in that top six right now, but they are a danger side for anyone, I believe that. They've taken on some really high-level opposition this year early as well, so that is going to hold them in good stead. That'll give them some good experience for some of the bigger games to come throughout this season. And in a couple of rounds, it's going to be magic rounds, so if Brisbane can be right in the mix and keep playing well, well then magic round is going to be a total vibe, and they're going to have a whole sea of fans from all different clubs but they are going to be the marquee spectacle. So Brisbane Broncos, Magic Round, that is definitely something to look out for in the next couple of weeks. And something that I was looking out for in the game on Thursday night, I mentioned it in the NRL preview alongside JJ, uh, released that podcast last week. Katoni Staggs up against Sifa Talakai. That was a big battle and Katoni Staggs unanimously getting it done. He was head and shoulders above Talakai on the night. So Katoni Staggs now absolutely seems like he's priming himself for an origin run. Tom Trebojevic and Latrell Mitchell, well, there are question marks. We know Latrell won't be there for origin one. As for Tom Trebojevic, he hasn't been playing. Uh, and yeah, that's an interesting note. So I think two center spots up for grabs. I believe Stephen Crichton gets the first one. He gets that Latrell uh, spot. But if Trebojevic is out, then I think Katoni Staggs right now may very well have his nose in front for that New South Wales Blues centre jersey. On the night, it was just Brisbane who were hungrier, and they absolutely proved 
that they can play finals this year. That was their goal. And now, yeah, things really starting to come together for the Broncos. Looking at the stat leaders, Blake Braley, he has been very, very quality all season. Could be getting that dummy half blues spot if Damian Cook doesn't get to play or line up. Looks like that won't be the case, but if Damian Cook is to get injured or suspended in the next couple of weeks, well, then Blake Braley could definitely be the one to step up and fill those boots and make his origin debut. Got through a lot of work and defensively as he has been throughout the entire season. Speaking about getting involved, Corey Oates topped the run meters with 213 meters. Corey Oates starting to return to the form that saw him selected for Queensland to play Origin. Looks like we're seeing the best version of Corey Oates and it's great to see. Broncos will be very happy with that. And Herbie Farnworth had two line breaks. Herbie Farnworth's a big fella. He's actually uh, deceptively really big, hard to contain, extremely fast. I'm a huge fan of Hugh, uh, of uh, Farnworth, sorry. and I'm interested to see whether he remains with the Broncos going forward. A lot of teams going for his services, the likes of the Dolphins, English Rugby Union, and I'm sure there are plenty of other NRL sides. Plus, I'm sure English Super League sides with his... Uh, you know, eligibility to play for England, and he's been in the squad, but obviously he's at the peak of his powers, so he probably won't go to Super League. I could almost say he definitely won't, but he very well could go to English Rugby Union and maybe try and make a run for the Rugby World Cup. So a lot of interesting narratives around Herbie Farnworth, and another narrative that I've been enjoying has been Tamare Martin thriving at fullback. Two games, and he has looked excellent in both um, he's a natural half, but the fullback position, he's made it look like the, his own. You know, he's owning the jersey. He looks the best that anyone's looked in the last couple of years. He's looked way better than Azako in only the space of two games. Tessie Niu is a youngster that I really rate, but he's still taking time to develop and piece everything together. Whereas Tamari Martin, he's played in a grand final. So, look, the time away doesn't seem to have affected him too badly. I'm sure he's been through some unbelievably rough patches to get here, but now that he's here, my goodness, Tamari Martin playing the house down, and no doubt if the Broncos can't offer him an upgraded deal, we could definitely see another club swoop up and take Tamari Martin, a side like the Dolphins maybe, but I think the Broncos are going to look to upgrade him maybe as soon as possible. Could even be a potential halves option alongside Adam Reynolds at some point, but Fullback has been that position they really struggled to nail down. From Darius Boyd about onwards, the things just haven't gone right. And I'm not going to talk shit about Darius Boyd. I was a huge fan of his throughout his playing career. Didn't play his best in his last few years, but that that sometimes happens, right? So Darius Boyd, since then, they haven't been able to get a thing going with their fullback. They lost Reese Walsh. Selwyn Cobbo looks like the long-term option. And the other position was since Ben Hunt left, and I know everyone's like, oh, the ball drop in the grand final, but look at how Ben Hunt's going for the Dragons. He's an absolute leader. And since Ben Hunt left, the Broncos haven't had a game-winning elite halfback. Ben Hunt left. Adam Reynolds is feeling that for better. He's, you know, an even better version, I guess, especially when it comes to the way that Brisbane like to play. So Adam Reynolds has been a huge signing. And if Broncos play finals, but he could most definitely be 
one of the signings of the year, alongside someone like Chad Townsend. There's going to be a lot of debate when it comes to signing of the season, and we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see how the season actually plays out. Next up, the Broncos are going to be travelling to Sydney to take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. That should be an interesting game. Lachlan Elias is a good young half, but he has shown defensive lapses. And the likes of Payne Haas, I'm not sure, maybe he's not playing. I saw an article or something. I was like skim reading Fox Sports like headlines, but a lot of them are just like, you know, Ricky explodes after Raiders' tumultuous loss. Like Jet Blong James with Hooper blogs or some shit. And I'm like, eh. No, maybe not, but uh, I did see maybe something with Painhouse not playing, but there are still a lot of guys that can cause the Rabbitohs a hell of a lot of headaches, and vice versa. There are some players on the Rabbitohs that can really trouble the Broncos, but this time around, Adam Reynolds is going to be playing, surely. So Adam Reynolds up against the Bunnies. No doubt that is going to be the huge storyline throughout the whole week. And when myself and JJ sit down tomorrow for the NRL Round 9 preview, well, that's when we're going to discuss the Adam Reynolds scenario with the Rabbitohs going up against them and everything to do with that. So I will touch on that in the preview, but at the moment this is more of a review. But that is what is up next. A huge game for the Broncos up against the Rabbitohs. And for the Sharks, they are going to be hosting the Warriors in a game. Look, I support the Warriors, but... You would have to feel that is a very, very winnable game for the Sharks. They'd be unlucky to lose, to be honest. If I'm biased, which I always am when it comes to the Warriors, the Warriors absolutely have a chance. But if I take my uh, biased lenses, lens or lenses, I don't know, is there one, is there two? Then I would say the Warriors not much of a chance at all, judging by what I've been seeing from watching every game. But everyone's always a chance. And look, I may or may not tip the Warriors when it comes to my prediction on the preview podcast tomorrow night. We never know. But Sharks, that is absolutely a winnable game. That could be a, you know, Warriors did lose 70 to 10 only a couple of games ago. So Sharks could really pile on the points in that one. Now I'm actually kind of getting nervous thinking about Sifa Talakai. He is going to be due for a bounce back but that was a thursday night game broncos what a win over the sharks up next the friday night game the early one we had the panthers taking on the gold coast titans on the gold coast panthers getting it done 18 to 4 to move 8 and 0 this season the penrith panthers getting it done but look gold coast a very respectable performance especially in the first half they're still building And I know there's been criticisms of guys like David Fafida, but the Gold Coast Titans are well and truly still uh, building. If you think about where they were before Holbrook arrived at the club, well, yeah, they've come a long way in a short space of time. I know that they're still not perfect, but they were really, really looked like they were in trouble only, only a couple of years ago. So look, the Gold Coast Titans, that was a great performance from them, but Panthers still managing to get it done. That is why they are the best team in the league, 18-4. to And we're witnessing something very, very special with the Panthers and also with the Storm and their longevity and their success and how they are absolutely turning it up a notch themselves. And we've got these two sides, the Storm, who have been so consistent for the longest period of time, and this new powerhouse, 
built on local juniors who are just killing it. And there are more to come through as well. The Panthers winning in the SG ball, which I believe is under 18s. Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's under 18s. The Panthers, 22 to 20 over the Roosters. So they've still got more young kids to come. It seems to be the way a lot of the guys in this first grade squad have won New South Wales Cup premierships with the Panthers. They've won under 20s premierships with the Panthers. And now they've translated that perfectly into on-field success in the NRL setup. They've taught them the way that the Penrith Panthers play all of these kids know the system so well. They know each other. They know each other's games as well. You look at some of the guys that the Panthers have brought back to the club. Chris Smith, a Panthers junior. Sean O'Sullivan, a Panthers junior. Robert Jennings, who they brought back last season from the Tigers. Panthers junior. Matt Eisenhuth, who they brought back from the Tigers. Panthers junior. Christian Crichton, they brought back from the Bulldogs. Bulldogs released Christian Crichton who I believe is the, is the older one out of he and Steven, like 99.9% sure that Christian is the older one. But the Bulldogs released him. And this year, the Panthers picked him up. He's playing really well in New South Wales Cup too. So they're bringing guys back because obviously the top end of their salary cap is tied up in guys like Cleary, Isaiah Yo. Uh, it won't be Viliame Kikau for too much longer or Api Karasau, but they're balancing the books to fit guys like Stephen Crichton into the mix. Their younger guys will be get, getting paid decently or due for an upgrade, like Taylor May and Isaac Tago, but they'll work their way around that. And just the way the Panthers are building, it is something special right now. Still happy with the Titans and how they're building. Hopefully one day they can get to a level where they are one of the elite clubs of the NRL. And I absolutely believe that they can get there, but they need to work out what their spine setup is. The whole Jaden Campbell scenario has been really interesting. How he's been playing in Queensland Cup last couple of rounds. In my opinion, I just believe that Justin Holbrook is taking time to develop him and not rush him, which I think is good. It's his first full season of first grade, so I totally understand that. Izako wasn't really cutting the mustard, so we saw Brimson in this game move to fullback and Will Smith move to 5'8", and they actually played a lot better than they have been. So I think we'll see Holbrook persist with that. But someone that I had in the preseason in my preview podcast as one to watch was Paul Turner, the former Warrior, now a Gold Coast Titan, can play fullback, can play in the halves, can play in the centers, so a real handy utility. And I think at some stage we may see him line up either in the centers, fullback, halves, or number 14 jersey. And when he cracks the NRL, Trust me, Paul Turner is absolutely one to watch. Getting into the stat leaders for this game, 41 tackles from James Fisher-Harris. What a beast. Speaking of absolute beasts, Greg Marzio, 195 run meters. Nathan Cleary had two try assists. Always consistent, always involved, and just what a leader. What a fucking player Nathan Cleary is. Speaking of great players as well, Taylor May, what an emerging player. Guys just couldn't get their hands on him. 10 tackle breaks. 10 tackle breaks from Taylor May throughout this uh, contest. And if you've been following the NRL Power podcast, you will know that throughout each episode, at the end, I give out three kind of nominations. One is the Rising Star nomination. So that is kind of like the Rookie of the Year. Taylor May, Isaac Tago, 
have already been nominated, but I'll be nominating another young rising star at the end of this episode. I also do a cause for concern, the club of the round that is really, really concerning me in terms of their form or just the bigger picture. I'll get to them a bit later. And of course, the X Factor player of the round. The, yeah, pretty much explains itself. Ryan Pappenhausen already scooping up three X Factor player of the round. So he is my favorite for the Dallium, but we will have to wait and see who gets the X Factor player this edition. But yeah, Taylor May, absolutely one of the top contenders for the Rising Star and a lot of pressure on Charlie Staines to retain his spot in the squad. Looking into reserve grade, which is what I'll do for some of these clubs throughout the preview, or review, sorry, uh, reserve grade performers. Now, in the New South Wales Cup, we have Sunia Taruva, who's a young, I believe he's of Fijian descent, not 100% sure though, but he is a local junior, can play in the centres, I'm sure he can play on the wing, but preferred for is his fullback, sorry, I can't speak English, back-to-back, uh, -back. I'm working 6am starts, all week this week, so uh, kind of rocking me. But yes, yeah, Nania Taruva absolutely killed it at fullback. I think we'll see him make his NRL debut this season. He scored a try, 213 run meters, had a line break and eight tackle breaks. So Sunia Taruva doing everything he can to emerge and break into this absolutely dominant side. As for the Titans reserve grade performer, well, it's a guy I mentioned before. Jaden Campbell, playing in Tweedhead's loss in the Queensland Cup, scoring one try, running for 219 metres, two line breaks and 11 tackle breaks. So it's clear that Jaden Campbell is far too good to be playing Queensland Cup, but it's a massive step up. And I guess that's where we have to start looking at the development of players and having a, I guess, national reserve grade competition of just a slightly higher calibre because the step up, it's like, yeah, he's absolutely dominating Queensland Cup, but he's still growing into his frame. And he's an electric player, but it's, it would be really hard for a player of his age just breaking into his first full season to play every single game. So I understand playing him in Queensland Cup and building him up. But now, if they retain Brimson there, well, I think Jaden Campbell is absolutely going to win his spot back. This kid is no doubt a star. Way too good to be playing Queensland Cup, but maybe that's why we need to look at a reserve grade competition. I would absolutely love to have under-20s back on with, like, television. Uh, not with television, like, televised games. Have the under-20s. Have a national reserve grade competition. Have the NRL. And, of course, when the NRLW is on and those different competitions as well, you can work those into the mix in different stages because the game is growing there's the international game as well, but look, this is just round eight. There is so much else that I could get into, but let's stick with what I've been talking about. Now, next up for the Gold Coast Titans, they will be going to Mackay to take on the Roosters. So I guess that's more of a home game for the Titans, really, but labeled as a Roosters home game. Another pretty tough, tough ask for the Titans. We will see how they perform. Roosters out of the top three sides that everyone kind of had as above everyone else in terms of the Storm, Roosters and Panthers. Well, Storm and Panthers holding up their end of the bargain at the moment. Roosters stuttering early in 2022. So Titans could be a massive danger side for them, but vice versa. Roosters are going to be fired up after that dog's loss 
and Titans are going to need their absolute best performance. As for the Panthers, they host the Eels, and you may laugh at me, but this could be a danger game as well, although if the Eels' last performance is anything to go by, and the Panthers' form's anything to go by, well, the Panthers could be very well going 9-0, and heading toward round 10, Magic Round, in Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium, up against the Melbourne Storm, looking to go 10-0 and in that game if they can defeat the Eels, so... Wow, isn't this 2020 season building to be something special? Headlined by the Melbourne Storm and Penrith Panthers. If we had to pick right now on early form, it looks like this could be the favourite for the grand final this year. Jumping on to our Friday game now, and unfortunately for the last two Fridays, I had to do work a favour, which now it was just a two-week thing, thankfully, but I worked until midnight, 3pm till midnight, on Friday, so I missed Friday night footy the last two Fridays. Devastating. I did watch a little bit at work because, I mean, how, how could I not? But I missed the Rabbitohs getting their season back on track 40-22 to 22 over the Manly Seagulls, which now there are a lot of concerns around the Manly Seagulls. The flat track bully thing keeps coming up, and once again, they just fail to get it done against a top-quality opposition. Look, it was really emotional as well. We had the emotional Shaq Mitchell debut, the older brother of Latrell Mitchell. Finally, he had to go through a very hard, long, winding road to get there, but he's made his debut now at the same club where his brother is. They will be dreaming of playing alongside each other, and that is a very real chance. And look, Shaq, he earned his way back into the contest. He fucking was killing it in the New South Wales Cup. Everything I saw from him, I've really enjoyed. And he's kind of that mongrel that I've felt that the Rabbitohs really needed. Sorry, English deteriorating, my goodness. I missed the Carl Lawton send-off as well. I saw it, yeah, it wasn't like outrageous, but he was sent off, so that was a major turning point of the game. And the Seagulls, look, that definitely hampered them, but they have a major inability to beat the top sides. They need to start fixing that quick. I wasn't overly concerned about that going into the season, but now... I'm starting to get concerned about it. Josh Schuster returning was a big one. I spoke in the preview about the 5-8 scenario, but this season definitely, I think, unless Foran goes down, we are going to see Schuster deployed in the back row. And then when there's a spot opening up in the halves through injury, suspension, origin and whatnot, that's when we'll see Josh Schuster step into the role, I believe. And then next year going forward, I do think they'll throw him into the number six jersey. They need some kind of X-Factor, but Foran's been killing it. Definitely a headache, but good to see Josh Schuster play his first game of the season. Isaiah Tuss for the Rabbitohs. He was really quality as well in the centres. He could hold that spot, I believe. The Rabbitohs still not having their best 17 settled, especially when it comes to their back five. So now we have a bit of an emerging star in Isaiah Tass. So putting his best foot forward most definitely for that Rabbitohs centre spot. Looking at the stat leaders, Blake Taff scored 16 points. Lachlan Croker, 43 tackles, which very, very quality effort, but he did miss 11 tackles. So, look, that extra man being off the field for so long, that really hampered him, but 11 missed tackles for Lachlan Croker. That is a glaring stat. Lachlan Ilias missed five tackles. Sorry, I know these aren't stat leaders. Just having a quick look at those things because Croker did top the tackle count with 43. Christian Tui-Pelotu, he was the 
uh, sorry, losing my way, 193 run meters. So that was a very sketchy one. 193 run meters for Christian Tuipilotu, two try assists for Cody Walker. And yeah, look, the Rabbitohs, they've turned a corner. As I said, I didn't see this game, so it's hard for me to make too many calls on it. Going into the reserve grade performers, both of these sides, their feeder clubs went at it in the New South Wales Cup, with the Rabbitohs getting a 26-12 win over the Blacktown Workers Seagulls. South winger Josiah Karapani, he was outstanding, scoring a try, 220 run metres, three line breaks and 11 tackle breaks. I feel that we could be seeing some emerging stars coming through the South Sydney ranks and Josiah Karapani is absolutely one of them. Keep an eye out for him because, yeah, the South, as I said, they're not decided on their best backline. Obviously, Mansoor doing well to hold his spot. And Alex Johnston, you, you can't take him out of the team. But there are injuries, suspensions, now COVID things all the time. So I believe we could see Josiah make his debut this year, especially if he keeps playing the way he is playing. Now, next up, Rabbitohs hosting the Broncos. I talked briefly about that game before. Very interesting one. Rabbitohs going up against their former captain, local junior in Adam Reynolds, now a Brisbane Broncos captain. And for the Seagulls, they host the West Tigers. So look, probably going to be business as usual. They'll roll the Tigers. Uh, maybe not like the Tigers have yeah, been showing a lot better signs, but I'm just more looking at the Seagulls' perspective. They'll probably come out, roll the Tigers, you know, look good against the lower sides. And then next time... They go up against another top side that they look like they're going to lose. It seems like this flat track bullies is a real thing now. I didn't believe it last year. I was willing to give it time. But now it is absolutely starting to become a key narrative. Des Hasler loves to fly under the radar. But what Des Hasler doesn't love to do is just lose. Lose the games that matter. And that is what the Seagulls are doing. So the West Tigers one will be an interesting one. But... I'm also not going to be reading into that too much because even as the Seagulls come out and put 50 on the Tigers, that doesn't answer any of our questions when it comes to the top teams. And Tigers, look, they could definitely beat the Seagulls on the Seagulls' form the other night. I think the Tigers are building. They're starting to show some signs, but Manly, they seem to fire up against these lower sides. And then when it comes to the top sides, like the Rabbitohs, they just seem to fall at the hurdle. So Rabbitohs getting it done, they are going to host the Broncos and Seagulls up against the Tigers next. And look, anything could happen. Anything could happen. But I do believe that now there are real concerns about Manly's ability to win the Premiership this season. Jumping on to the first game of Super Saturday, if you listen to my preview for the game, you will know that I'm a Warriors fan, but also that the Raiders are my second team. And if you listened, you'll know why. But... Gee, bit of a bludger of a game, other than the tries. The tries were the highlights, but uh, nervous watching, considering that I wanted both of them to do really well. A lot of rocks and diamonds. A little bit more rocks than diamonds. The diamonds were good, but a lot of rocks. One of the diamonds, Adam Elliott, starting at dummy half for the Raiders. That's been an area of concern that I've addressed for them, is that dummy half position and how they had Frawley starting and Starling. At times, a lot of the time, it seems like they want him coming off the bench. But when he started, it hasn't seemed to work. Well, Adam Elliott was superb. He was a real standout early in the game. And then once Starling came on 
Adam Elliott can still play in the back row. He can play in the middle. So Adam Elliott easily with his best game in Raiders colors yet. And it looks like he's starting to settle into Canberra and the new team and the new surroundings. So good signs for Adam Elliott, but the Raiders not so much. They are a shell of the side that made the 2019 grand final. Really, really concerned about the Raiders. Look, it is a transition period. Got a lot of good young guys coming through. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. They need some time, but as far as this season, they could be wooden spoon contenders, and they shouldn't be. They absolutely shouldn't be. As for the Warriors, they had Dejan Arce. What a debut coming over from the Cowboys. Four days' notice, stepped in for Chanel Harris-Tavita, who had a ruptured testicle. Ouch, honestly, hurts my testicle to even think about it. Hurts my testicles. I actually have two, believe it or not. But yeah, ruptured testicle. Fuck that. Dejan Arce, though, killing it. Really, really impressed with him. He was a Warriors uh, supporter growing up as a kid, but I believe he'll be heading back to the Cowboys next year. But really, really impressed with Dejan Arce. And of course, the Warriors today announced they have signed Ronald Volkman, very talented young half from the Roosters, Volkman has signed a three-year deal, so I do think this Dejan Arce thing is just going to be for one year because they also have Luke Metcalf coming over. We did see Ash Taylor as well. Looks like he's going to announce his retirement. Just quickly, congratulations, Ash, on a great career. Some ups and downs, definitely. Being labelled as the Titans' marquee man and the poster boy and this young kid, generational halfback, next big thing. You, you see it fuck a lot of players up. Luke Brooks, another one of them. But Ash Taylor, so stoked when we got him, the Warriors. I actually really like him as a player. And yeah, great. good luck to Ash Taylor in whatever he decides to do next. A little bit of pressure eases on the Warriors coach, Nathan Brown. But no doubt some heat now intensifying on Ricky Stewart. The media... Soon, like, I know, like, NRL 360, Paul Kent is, like, great mates with him. So maybe they won't, but... Definitely sections of the media and Canberra fans as well starting to turn on Ricky Stewart. Let's not forget, though, Jamal Fogarty was a huge out preseason. He was their first choice halfback and there were COVID complications. Snyder Schneider missed a couple of games here and there. So the Raiders, they haven't had that halfback that they trained the whole preseason with. That has thrown them for a loop a little bit. The no Jared Croker situation. He's been playing New South Wales Cup. Uh, that's been a whole thing as well. No Josh Hodgson. He is now injured, will never play, or as far as we know, will never play a game for the Canberra Raiders again. Nick Kotrich coming back from the Bulldogs. He's failing to fire, kind of was going so well at the Raiders, and then he went to the Dogs, couldn't get it going, got injured, has come to the Raiders. Raiders haven't been able to get it going. He hasn't been able to get it going at all. Whiten, he's two weeks out now as well. That was announced today. Suspended, so that is a massive loss. I would assume Matt Frawley comes in to partner Matt Schneider. Matt Schneider? Sorry, Brad Schneider. But yeah, Jack Whiten out for two weeks. That is a monumental loss at a very, very crucial point in the Raiders' season. Jamal Fogarty's still a while away as well from returning. He's not going to do back. Still for, I guess, another, what, what's it, March, May? At least another month. So the Whiten out now, they are not with their two first-choice halves. So, sorry, it's a little bit late. I'm stumbling here a bit. But, yeah, Raiders 
neither of their first choice halves. So that is a really, really big out for them over the next couple of weeks. Also got to wonder who plays fullback. Xavier Savage probably hasn't shown enough. Jordan Rapiner, mm, like it goes really well there. But look, Chance Nicole Cookstart had been dropped, played New South Wales Cup on the weekend. And um, I'm really interested to see how this develops and who claims the fullback jersey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Albert Hopawade, a young kid as well in the Raiders system. Look, he's a fullback as well. He can play wing, he can play center, but maybe he's a bit of a left field option that could fill in at some stage this season. I actually didn't even get to the result as well, and that was the Warriors winning 21-20 with the Sean Johnson clutch field goal. Not Sean's best game, but I'm not going to heap any shit on him. He has stepped up, delivered. That's an area as well where the Warriors... Over quite a number of seasons, we haven't had someone to step up and kick those field goals. So, Sean Johnson back, he adds so much to the team. I am really happy to have him back in Warriors colors. An experienced player, getting it done when we needed him to. And yeah, 21-20, to Raiders just let it slip. It was a bit of a strange game, wasn't it? Looking at the stat leaders, Wade Egan topping the count. 47 tackles with only three three missed tackles. So Wade Egan working really hard in the middle. Of course, Josh Curran out. So he usually is the one who is the heart and soul of that middle defense. Wade Egan standing up a lot this weekend. Corey Horsburgh running for 157 meters for the Raiders. He's stepping up for the green machine. But overall, you know, the green machine just aren't stepping up as one cohesive unit. Jack Whiten, five tackle breaks one try and two try assists. That's the kind of form they will be missing next weekend. So uh, not not good for the Raiders. Good for the Warriors though. This Dejan Arcee kid seems like quite the talent. Two try assists in his Warriors debut. I am stoked that we've got him for the rest of the year. Looking at some errors, Bailey Serenin, five missed tackles. I do believe it was a milestone game for him, maybe game number 50. So I guess one missed tackle for every 10 games he's played. But look, credit to Bailey Siren and congratulations on 50 games. Awesome player. Really stoked to have him at the Warriors. But yeah, the, the defense there, probably not the best. He will have to work on that. But Bailey Siren and quality player. And I couldn't be happier to have him in Warriors colors. Looking at the reserve grade performers for the Raiders, James Schiller continues to go really well. Jared Croker. Look, he's getting things done. I would not be surprised if we see him get recalled to the side. I mean, they're fucking sitting 15th, so maybe we see him get recalled next round. They do need the experience, but it depends. It Does Ricky see him as a liability? I don't believe so. He is a leader of this club, so I expect to see Jared Croker back in the NRL. And Albert Hopawade, I mentioned him before. He is someone I would love to see get his Raiders debut. I think he's awesome, so I don't know whether there's... It's just competition for spots or whether there's something at training or what Ricky's seeing. But I want to see Albert Hopawade at NRL level. I believe he's ready to get it done. Uh, yeah, he does have he has had issues with injuries. But look, he's playing in New South Wales Cup. I would love to see Albert Hopawade get a go for the Raiders. Looking at what's up next for the Warriors, they will be facing the Sharks away from home. I mean, every game for the Warriors is away from home, but... That is a really, really tough game for the Warriors. They need to win that. They need to continue winning to build some kind of consistency because now our for and against is fucked because of that Storm game. So we need to stand up. But Sharks, 
they are going to be stinging from that Broncos game. As for the Raiders, they are hosting the Bulldogs. Bulldogs coming off the win over the Roosters. Now all of a sudden the betting odds are going to be a lot more interesting than what we thought they would have been in the preseason. Bulldogs could could arguably be the favourites in this one. Raiders in that poor form. Look, we know the Raiders are going to be fired up, but Bulldogs just beat the Roosters. They are starting to build, and now they have confidence on their side. Going up against a team in the Raiders that just don't seem to have confidence as a team working together. So that is going to be one of the games of the round. Can't wait to jump into that in my weekly preview with JJ tomorrow. Okay, now the Saturday afternoon game. The Bulldogs shocking the Roosters, shocking myself. Obviously, we had the whole Phil Gould taking over training during the week, but the media blew that up to the absolute 10th degree. Look, Phil Gould, I know, I've well, like I've listened to his podcasts. I know he has the highest opinion of Trent Barrett. This isn't Phil Gould or when he took over training. That wasn't him trying to, you know, fucking make the alpha move. It was like him helping out, him helping out Trent Barrett. And he's done a wonderful job. The Bulldogs getting it done. The captain, Josh Adokar, scoring a double for the Bulldogs, his new club, with the Dogs getting the win 16-12. to what an absolute result. I couldn't believe it on the day. I thought the Roosters were going to be on another level. But look, out of the elite three sides, the Roosters, the Storm, and the Panthers, Sydney, the Roosters are the ones who have dropped off considerably when you compare them to the other two who are absolutely thriving still at the top of their game. So, yeah, I was really surprised by this from the Roosters. No Josh Jackson as well for the Bulldogs, and they still managed to get it done. So a highly impressive win from the Canterbury Bulldogs. There's a fair bit of construction going on outside as well. Uh, on the tools seems to be the general vibe of today. Anyway, let's get to a similar hard-working trade. The stat leaders in this game, Sam Verrills, the dummy half for the Roosters, getting through 45 tackles with only one miss. Tedesco running for 299 metres after running for 312 metres last week. So look, I know Ryan Pappenhausen putting the flash on top of his play, but Brad Fittler has confirmed James Tedesco will be the New South Wales Blues fullback. As we all knew, look, he's the captain. And again, just quietly going about his business at absolutely elite numbers. So James Tedesco, definitely worthy of that number one jersey for the Blues. Looking at the Roosters as well, poor goal kicking really hampered them. Sam Walker and Adam Karen not able to get their shots. Uh, Adam Karen specifically as well really struggled with that. So poor goal kicking. Karen as well, he's actually a really quality goal kicking so uh, goal kicker. Sorry, so it was an off night for him. Luke Carey still went well with two try assists. So we saw that the Roosters throwing plenty at the Dogs, and that is what makes this Bulldogs win so very impressive. The fact that Tedesco is still running for a hell of a lot of meters. You've got strike everywhere, the likes of Joey Manu out on that edge, and the Dogs, they held tight. They kind of came back to that Dogs of War mentality that the club was built on, but they've got some real flash and flair to go with that substance as well. The likes of Matt Burton, Josh Adokar. I mean, this team is really starting to take shape. I know they're right down the bottom of the ladder, but I'm really excited for them as a future kind of prospect going forward. They've got some great signings for next year. They've got a sponsor behind them that seem like they really want to get behind the club. 
And look, the Bulldogs are in a position where they can bounce back and become a very strong club. Trent Barrett, I believe, is the guy to take them forward as well. Looking at the reserve grade performers, the North Sydney Bears, who are the feeder club for the Roosters, they got it done 18-12 over the Bulldogs in New South Wales Cup. And the Bulldogs' feeder side have actually been going really well. So that is a plus. Some guys beneath that are really pressing their case. Same for the Bears. I'm pretty sure North Sydney are first in the New South Wales Cup. Looking at the actual game for the Dogs, Declan Casey, young winger, can also play fullback. He scored a double. You may remember him from the preseason, absolutely laying a huge hit on Kellen Ponga. And a young kid in the Roosters system, Vuate Karawalevu, young Fijian player, scored a double. He is one to watch. This kid is absolutely going to be a first grader. I believe maybe they'll time it so that once Daniel Tupo is starting to near the end of his career, this kid is going to be ready to go out on that left wing. He is a sensational talent, this Vuati Karawalevu. So definitely remember the name. He is going to be someone who takes the NRL by storm, I believe. A lot of raps on him. They believe he's a very skillful young kid. So I can't wait to see more of him. And he's been lighting it up in the New South Wales Cup. The North Sydney Bears as well, their forwards were the key. Some Roosters guys in there, but then also some just North Sydney Bears guys. And they really laid the platform, both in attack and defence, to get the win there. So for both teams, there are definitely guys underneath who are pressing this case for a first-grade spot. And particularly at the Roosters, where they do have some established, experienced guys. But most definitely, if the North Sydney Bears keep playing well and the Sydney Roosters keep missing the mark like they have been to start the season, well then, all of a sudden, we may see some Smokies enter the frame in the Roosters' picture. Next up, the Bulldogs are going to be taking on the Raiders in Canberra. Really tough game, but the Bulldogs will have confidence, which the Raiders do not. And if the Dogs win that, then all of a sudden, Canterbury will be buzzing. As for the Roosters, they will be in Mackay hosting the Gold Coast Titans. Should be a really interesting one. I actually think the Titans could be a danger matchup for Sydney, but no doubt the Roosters are going to be fired back after what transpired on Saturday afternoon. So, Bulldogs, what a win. Congratulations to Doggies fans. For Roosters fans, it's like, whatever, you guys have won heaps of premierships, still in a pretty good place. So, not the end of the world. Great win for the Bulldogs. Now, time for the Saturday night game. It's the freaking weekend, except it's Tuesday right now, but it was the freaking weekend on Saturday night when the freaking North Queensland Cowboys on the weekend thrashed the freaking Eels. Fucking thrashed them in Darwin. The conditions, I talked about the conditions, definitely played into the Cowboys' hands. 35-4. to Field goal, just a bit of a slap in the face. 35-4. to What, could you not, you know, not happy with 34? We'll go 35. Kyle Felt scoring a hat-trick, absolutely dominating. And it must be noted that the side that he scored on defensively for the Eels, that left wing, so many different players have played there already this season. It was supposed to be Mike Acevo, but he was out for the first part of the season. Hayes Dunster looked to have the position locked down. A preseason injury changed that. But hey, Sean Russell, wasn't he playing well in the trials? Got a chance, scored a hat-trick from memory in the game against the Titans round one. Got injured. He was out. We've seen Wanga Blake play there. We've seen Will Penasini play there. 
Now we're seeing Hayes Perham play there. And Kyle Felt and the Cowboys, they expose that. A hat trick for the big man to state his claim and say, hey, don't forget about me when it comes to origin time, the selection in the Queensland Maroons setup. And Scott Drinkwater, was he electric? Killing it at fullback. That definitely seems to be his best position. I think the Melbourne Storm had established that when he was in their system. He came over as a young half, and then they worked out, hey, this kid is really fast. Maybe his skills are better suited to fullback. Cowboys, their setup has been interesting in the recent years when Drinkwater has been involved. And the whole Valentine Holmes thing, and they've got Tabuai Fido. But Drinkwater, he seems to be excelling in that fullback position. And the Cowboys, absolutely up for it this season, sitting in third place. If you'd listened to my preview last week, you would have heard me say, when is it time to believe in the Cowboys? Well, I said if the Cowboys beat the Eels, then I would be a believer. And they fucking demolished the Eels. So it is time to start believing in the Cowboys. They are sitting third on the ladder. And look, they may not finish that high, but top eight looking a real possibility at the moment. So North Queensland fans getting very excited. And the bulk of the squad are very young, so they're still building into something special. It's been a good chunk of the season. I know it's still early, but Cowboys are in third. Like, wow, hugely impressed. Not so much with the Eels. We've seen Jake Arthur cop a lot of criticism. Look, I don't mind the move. The Eels have had heaps of injuries, so Dylan Brown is at center. I don't think it was a reflection of Dylan Brown and Jake Arthur, more so that They felt like Jake Arthur was more first grade ready, perhaps, than some of the other guys that could have played in that left center position. But Dylan Brown, I believe after this result, surely he goes back into the halves. He and Mitchell Moses were killing it. You just got to find someone who can play left center. I thought Tom Opacic is fit, so just fucking throw him in there, honestly. Jake, Jake Arthur can still play off the bench, or you can play him at reserve grade level and continue to let him build his confidence. As for the Cowboys, Todd Payton, an early coach of the year contender, now it has to be said. I was devastated when the Warriors didn't hold on to him. I really thought highly of him as a coach. And now he's starting to fully turn the Cowboys around. They look like a totally different team than the team that was struggling under Paul Green. And last year, struggling really hard at the back end of the year. So Todd Payton, unbelievable job. Looking at guys like Ruben Cotter as well, potentially a future captain. High praise for Cotter from his coach, from the fans, from experts, everybody. This kid is sensational. Huge fan of Ruben Cotter. Got through 54 tackles. And as I said in my season preview for the Cowboys, I thought the middle forward is where he absolutely needs to be playing. That is where he is a game breaker and he's beginning to prove that. So really excited by Ruben Cotter. And also in my season preview, I had the Cowboys in second to last. So, look, I'm going to fucking take my licks here. Congratulations, Cowboys. You guys are killing it way beyond what I expected, way beyond what anyone, including their fans, expected. And it is so good to see. I love when the Cowboys are going well in the NRL. Looking at some other stat leaders, Ryan Matteson ran for 210 meters. Kyle Felt, as I mentioned, the hat trick along with two line breaks. And Josh, uh, not Josh Drinkwater, that's his brother over in France in the Super League. Uh, Scott Drinkwater, two try assists, working his magic from the fullback position. Huge fan of his. And as far as some not-so-stat leaders or leaders in another way, Oregon Kafusi, 
for the Eels, six missed tackles, simply not good enough. That really opened them up through the middle. And look, Kafusi's Sharks bound next year, so I don't think we have to worry about him too much. I think Craig Fitzgibbon will get his hands on him, and he's going to turn Oregon Kafusi into a game-breaking forward week in and week out. And for Hayes Perham, naturally a fullback, has played in the halves, has played center. Out on that wing, six... Oh, no, that was Kafusi who had the six missed tackles, sorry. Uh, Hayes Perham had a hell of a lot of missed tackles and mistakes, though, and he was absolutely taught a lesson by the experienced Kyle Felt. And Perham will be better for that. He'll adjust his game, and I still think he's NRL quality. Remember that I would say he's preferably more of a fullback than a center and a half than he is a winger. Winger's more like a down on his skill level list. So I still think Hayes Perham has time to turn it around, but taught an absolute lesson. And looking at what is next for the both clubs, the Cowboys will be hosting the Knights. Look, I'm sure Townsville is going to be packed for that game. The Cowboys fans will be very, very excited about their team. And the Eels up against the Panthers. Penrith at home as well, so... Gee whiz, Eels do not have much time to collect themselves after that really bad loss. They're going to remember the last year's finals game against Penrith Panthers as well, which was one of the games of the season. So really excited for that game. Actually, I'll be covering it in my weekly preview. So stay tuned for that one. Now on to the massacre on Sunday in Newcastle. The Storm 50, the Knights to 2. Uh, look, Knights fans, don't worry. My side got absolutely belted 70 to 10, so I'm not going to heap too much shit on you, but Storm 50 to 2, Melbourne well and truly warming up. We remember how scary they were last season, and look, they look on track to be even better this year. It's an incredible effort from Melbourne. 120 points in two games. Xavier Coates, six tries in two games, so unbelievable they are really starting to fire and for the knights look i'm going to get to their performance a bit later on in the podcast but for the storm 1 to 17 the highest praise for all of them i mean you start with the fullback ryan pappenhausen my favorite to win the deli m this season you have the wingers xavier coates coming over from the broncos has a bit of israel falau or greg inglis about him i know not exactly the same a bit more israel falau and guys who've been at the Storm come through as like these generational talents as young players. Well, Xavier Coates, he seems to fit that mold. Storm, we all know they're going to get the best out of him. Xavier Coates looks like a real special talent. Out on that left wing, Nick Meany, leaving the Bulldogs where he was guaranteed basically to be playing first grade, to come to the Storm, play as a cover for Ryan Pappenhausen, but also to play on the wing where he's played for the Bulldogs. But George Jennings was ahead of him. We saw Dean Aramead get selected before Nick Meany did on the wing. But now Meany's starting to own that position. And yeah, it's funny how these players just turn into incredible players once they put that Storm jersey on. Let's talk about Josh King for a moment up against his former side. Josh King is in unreal form at the moment. Do not be surprised in the next year or two if we see him in the New South Wales Blues origin setup. That is how impressed I have been with Josh King up against his former side, the Knights. And yeah, we didn't see this Josh King in Knights colors. The same could be seen, said, sorry, for Nick Meany, who played very briefly, started his career at the Knights, but he was a fullback and Kalen Ponga 
obviously was the marquee signing. So Meany went for more opportunities at the Bulldogs, but he's playing career best football at the Melbourne Storm. You look at their centres, Justin Olin, what a game breaker. Remus Smith, another one, came over from the Bulldogs, an incredible young talent that hadn't been able to harness his full potential in a side that was struggling. Now we all know why Remus Smith was rated so highly as a youngster. You move on to the halves. Oh, fucking hell. Like, other than Jerome, Luai, and Nathan Cleary, like, that's the battle. The best halves in the competition. It's either Jerome, Luai, and Nathan Cleary, or it is Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes. I know there's the whole thing with Munster and his contract. I'm not really going to get into that during this podcast. Podcast? But Jerome Hughes, I mean, one of the best sevens in the game right now, looks incredible, like truly elite as a halfback, which is crazy when he came over to the Storm. He could ball play, and they thought maybe like play a bit of 5'8", but predominantly a fullback. Now one of the best sevens in the game, alongside Cameron Munster, who is a game-breaker, just an unbelievable game-breaker, is Munster. You look at their forward pack, guys like Jesse Bromwich, Felice Cafusi, Kenny Bromwich, all absolute leaders, and off to the Dolphins next year, all three of them. Harry Grant, what a player he is, phenomenal hooker, and look, I'll get to him a bit later in the podcast as well. You look at the bench, guys like Brandon Smith can play dummy half, equally as dangerous, if not more, as a middle forward. Tyron Wishart was in the Dragon system, not really in the first grade setup. Well, the Storm said, you can be part of ours, and he is... You know, he's doing very well in Storm Colors, as players just seem to do. Tepai Moroa didn't really crack it in the New South Wales Waratahs team. And yeah, look, his Wallabies ambitions, he didn't really get it going. But now he is playing career best football at the Storm, albeit in shorter stints coming off the bench. I mean, this whole team is just incredible. And yeah, the Storm, you've got Nelson Sofa Solomona. He's another one. Big man with a big offload as well. So it just never ends as far as the Storm. An absolutely incredible team. And they are turning it on big time right now. Looking at the stat leaders, Xavier Coates with a hat-trick after his four tries last week. 45 tackles for Chris Randall. So he was working very, very hard for his side. For Josh King, he had 212 run meters up against his former side. The most run meters on the field. And I tell you what, Adam O'Brien and the Knights, I, they, I'm sure they would have been like, yeah, this is why what we saw from him. This is what we saw coming because he do, he was playing in the Knights' first grade setup. Like they obviously rated him to some degree, but now, you know, Adam O'Brien would be like, shit, where the fuck was this Josh King for the Newcastle Knights? But the Storm, they just do it differently there. And I guess here, because I'm in Melbourne, Remus Smith, he had three try assists. A lot of that was piled on by guys like Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, but Remus Smith officially three try assists. Meany and Olim, eight tackle breaks between them. So that left side was absolutely deadly for the Storm. And they targeted Seema Sasangi, who's a very highly rated young talent for the Knights. They are expected to sign him, but they targeted him on that side. He had seven missed tackles. And their young forward, Leo Thompson, had four errors. So... Yeah, just that inexperience really coming into the play up against an elite squad. And yeah, Melbourne definitely exposed that. Looking at a reserve-grade performer in the Queensland Cup, Will Warbrick is killing it for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Came over from New Zealand Sevens Rugby. He's a winger and yeah, has absolutely been smashing it. 
He surely is going to get his NRL debut soon. There are guys in front of him, but come origin time and when there are injuries and such, I believe Will Warbrick, he's going to get called into the fold. He looks like an incredible player. And up next, Storm hosting the Dragons. That should be a very interesting game. I think Dragons have a better chance of making it competitive over the likes of the Warriors and the Knights. But yeah, the Storm at this point, they're looking very scary. They are the last side I would be want to be going up against at the moment. And for the Knights, they will be taking on the Cowboys in Townsville. That is a winnable game, but the Cowboys are third. We're starting to believe in the Cowboys, so... Maybe not so easy for the Knights. Some really good games to come in round nine. Okay, now time for the final game. The Dragons getting it done over the Tigers 12-6 in a very tight contest. Three straight wins for St. George. Now starting to look pretty decent. Look, they're still building, but I was just talking to a mate and he made the point that Hook has been going for that consistency or experience over the X Factor. But they do have some X-Factor, the likes of Jaden Sullivan, who did play on the weekend. Um, he played off the bench, played dummy half. And Junior Amone, or Tulatau Amone, played 5'8". He's been lacking a bit. I thought he was going to be going a lot better. He is still young, so plenty of time. But I, yeah, I was expecting Amone to go significantly better. Someone in the halves, though, who is thriving is their leader, the captain, Ben Hunt. Couldn't be asking for more from him right now. He is just leading the team in epic fashion, getting that win last weekend over the Roosters. And he stood up big time again here to get the win over the Tigers. So Ben Hunt, an exceptional captain, and he's really grown into the role. Dragons, much better for having a leader like him in the squad. And it also allows to play other younger guys throughout the team. Since Ben Hunt's been the captain, look, you knew he was going to be the halfback. So now that the captain sees on him, no one else's position is really safe. Now, there are some guys that are established and consistent, but there are a lot of quality young kids at the Dragons, so very exciting times if you are a fan of the club. As for the Tigers, they cannot be faulted on their effort. Gave it an absolute crack, and they're looking a lot better with Luke Brooks at 5'8 and Jackson Hastings staring the ship in the halfback position. We did see that Asu Kapoa made his first game, or made his return, sorry, for his first game this season. Looks decent as well. James Roberts not playing. I'm really not sure what the go is there. He has missed a hell of a lot of action this year and been in and out. And yeah, I'm not sure what the future holds for James Roberts. But geez, he's given us some exciting highlights. Hopefully before his time at the Tigers comes to the end, comes to an end, he can give us a few more. Looking at some of the stat leaders now, Jacob Little, the dummy half for the Tigers, stepping up big time, 45 tackles. Didn't miss a single tackle either, so Jacob Little really carrying his weight in the middle. He's fast, has been likened at times to a bit of a Damian Cook type operator, very fast out of dummy half. So look, Jacob Little still taking time to build. He's been around for a while, but injuries threatened to derail his career. Still yet to show us his best, but I absolutely believe we could see it. Although... I would make the comment, I believe a club like the Raiders may end up targeting him and try and bring him over to the club once Coruscant comes to the Tigers next year. And maybe they start, they seem to want to play Starling off the bench, so maybe they play Little as the starting dummy half and then they bring Tyrell, uh, not Tyrell Sloan, sorry, Tom Starling on at some point. So Jacob Little could definitely be a target for a few clubs, to be honest. 
As for the most run meters, Moses Suli, 188 meters, up against the club that gave him his debut. Two line breaks for Luke Brooks, Dallium 5'8 of the year. And David Nofaluma, nobody could put him down. 10 tackle breaks for Nofaluma. Looking at the reserve grade competition and in the New South Wales Cup, it was the Dragons feeder side up against the Western Magpies, the Tigers feeder side and Dragons. Starting to get some form in New South Wales Cup after a horrible start, Dragons belting the Magpies 46-16, with the standout being Tyrell Sloan. So I want to see him back in that fullback position. He is in my Supercoach Draft League for $500, sorry. And it's so is uh, Talatawa Mone, and it's really fucking me around. Tyrell Sloan, he was a standout. Hook, if you're listening, put him in. Talatawa Mone, if you're listening, mate, rate you highly. You're still young, developing, uh, but please, please. Nah, it's honestly, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not one of those operators, to be honest, where Supercoach, you can't let Supercoach become more important than the game. You can't really let the scores affect your weekend. So I'm like, I enjoy it as fun. But because the Dragons aren't my team and I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. I do like them. I love Ben Hunt and the way he plays the game and a few of their players. But I'm like, come on, Dragons. This one's just a bit of a fuck around because I was banking on the Dragons getting that X Factor going. But look, they're stringing wins together. So Dragons overall going very well. Dismiss any of that Supercoach draft chat. That was my mistake. But Dragons getting it done 46-16 to in the New South Wales Cup. And next up, Dragons will be traveling to Melbourne to take on the Storm, the game that nobody wants to be playing right now. And the Tigers are going to be traveling to Manly to take on the Seagulls in what should be a really intriguing contest. So that has been all eight games for the NRL Power podcast. And that leaves my end of episode. Uh, Three little end bits. I don't know. I haven't established exactly a title for it yet. But we've got the X Factor player of the round, the rising star and the cause for concern. So this is going to be exceptional. Now, looking at the X Factor player first, pretty bold for me. This is going to be exceptional. Who knows? We will see. Let's wait until I've actually done it and then we will know if it was exceptional. But I'll tell you who was exceptional and that was the X Factor player of the round. He comes from the Melbourne Storm, but... Oh, man, there were a lot of guys. It was going to be a Storm player, but there were a lot of guys in contention. In the end, I have gone with Harry Grant. He is their long-term number nine, and it's just crazy because what the Storm had with Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, and all those other moving parts like Greg Inglis, they're doing it again. Ryan Pappenhausen, he's been taught by Billy Slater and mentored by him, as well as working under Craig Bellamy, and they are putting it together big time. And then in the 5'8 position, you have Cameron Munster, formerly a fullback, another great fullback who'd worked under Billy Slater. Cameron Munster now, you would have to say, is the best 5'8 in Storm's history. I would go there. I'm going to say it. So, yeah, Cameron Munster, unbelievable player. Then the halfback, Cooper Cronk. How do you replace Cooper Cronk? You can't. You simply can't. Brody Croft, he wasn't able to fill those lofty expectations that the halfback jersey at the Storm withholds. Jerome Hughes shifted there. The first time they tried it, too close to finals. Didn't work. The second time, perfect. Jerome Hughes is a game-breaking halfback. He is killing it. And he's not not Cooper Cronk, but in his own right, he is an elite talent. 
I mean, the way that the Storm have set themselves up is seriously impressive. But let me get to the biggest void that they needed to fill, and that was Cameron Smith. Arguably the greatest player of all time. I know not everyone agrees with that, but I mean, his resume well and truly stacks up. How do you replace Cameron Smith? Other than Bellamy, everyone that they said, oh, once they lose this player, they're not going to be the Melbourne Storm that they were. Cooper Cronk, once he goes, Billy Slater, once he's gone, or Greg Inglis, Israel Folau, and they just keep providing. The salary cap scandal, oh, well, they're not going to come back from this, and they do. It's just simply incredible. Cameron Smith, the biggest void to fill. Harry Grant, my X-Factor player of the weekend. For that reason, and for his performance, he was unbelievable, had a hand in a number of tries, and just so much involvement. He was the one supplying everyone with the ball and it was 50 to two. Harry Grant, unbelievable. And I know that Brandon Smith, he was vying for that spot to take over from Cameron, but Harry Grant, he's the one who's got the job. Brandon Smith off to the Roosters. Harry Grant, the X Factor player of the round. I was highly impressed with his performance. He was just everywhere. He's so good in defense, unbelievable in attack, and he has to be the Queensland Maroons dummy half, no doubt. I think Ben Hunt, number 14, after his performance at dummy half last year. But Harry Grant, I, I don't know. I feel like he just has to be there. He's playing the house down at the moment. And yeah, Harry Grant, he could be the Australian dummy half come the World Cup. Damien Cook is his counterpart. And Cook has the advantage of having like a great New South Wales blue squad to work with to state his case. But for Harry Grant... What works in his favor is that he is at the Melbourne Storm, so he's going to have all year to put on great performances like he did against the Knights. And Harry Grant, I mean, he, he could very well be the Australian Kangaroos number nine come the end of the season. So Harry Grant, my X-Factor player of the round. Once again, another Storm player. They are just up there on another level along with the Panthers at the moment. So let me get now to my rising star nomination, one of the young emerging players. I've had eight, or this will be the eighth, sorry. So I've had seven previously, and at the end of the year, I'll put up a vote of the four best of the rising stars from the whole season. Like, I think someone like Isaac Tago would be in the mix in the four there. And I'm going to get you, the fans, on Instagram over at Not Just a Sports Report. That is at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. And at the end of the year, I will be putting up a poll with the four best of the rising stars. And you'll be able to vote. And we will crown one unanimous NRL rising star for NRL. Or for NRL? I already said that. For 2022. So my rising star for round eight, Dejan Arce. After four days to prepare for his Warriors debut coming over from the Cowboys. Look, I think it's a masterstroke because it seems like he was ready to play first grade. It seems like he's too good to be playing in the reserves. And he has guys in front of him, Chad Townsend. I mean, the Cowboys are third, so there are guys well and truly in front of him. At the Warriors, well, a ruptured testicle. Al Cheese for... That one is a fucking tough one. Uh, for Chanel Harris-Tavita and Ash Taylor's retirement, along with Cody Nicarima not featuring. That meant that the Warriors needed someone. Dejan Arce... Perfect. I am so happy to have him at the club for this year. I do believe he's going back to the Cowboys at the conclusion of this season. And look, Dejan, very talented young prospect. I'm keen to see what he can produce. 
And I'm sure if he goes really well this year, then other NRL clubs will be potentially looking to sign him. I'm not sure exactly what his contract situation is with the Cowboys, but he will be playing in the halves for the foreseeable future at the moment with the Warriors. Two try assists in his debut. And yeah, he was hugely crucial to us pushing to win in what was such a tight game, 21 to 20. So my rising star from my side, the Warriors, Dejan Arcee. Welcome to the Warriors, brother. I am a fan already. Now, something that I'm less of a fan on, and that is my weekly cause for concern. They've avoided it all season so far. Actually had an awesome start to the season. They were far from a uh, cause for concern, but now my English and stuttering is a bit of a cause for concern. But now the Newcastle Knights, they are my cause for concern. 50-2 to two against the Storm. Obviously, the Melbourne Storm are just turning it up on another level right now, but that was coming off, what was it, like 39-2 to two or 39-4 to four or something last week against the Eels, so they got absolutely dominated. They Things just don't look good. Uh, they targeted, the Storm targeted, sorry, uh, Seema Sasangi on that edge for Newcastle, and yeah, the, the Knights just have a few worries. No Jaden Braley, Mitch Barnett with that strike, yeah, he's out for a while, and just things just aren't clicking the way they were at the start of the season. So my cause for concern is the Knights, but Anthony Milford is looming, and he could well and truly turn the season around. There are enough guys in that Knights squad that if they're firing, Anthony Milford can get off the back of that. So I'm actually thinking the Knights, they can respond, and it's not all doom and gloom for them, but right now... Most definitely in the NRL, the Newcastle Knights are my biggest cause for concern. So that's it. Well, sorry to wrap it just out of nowhere like that, but that's everything I needed to cover. And I'll tell you what else I'm covering. Team list just came out for the next round. So I'm going to be jumping into my preview for round nine. That will be coming out tomorrow. That's going to be a lot of fun, but I hope you had some fun on this podcast as well. Going to be a real good one tomorrow. I'll be releasing, I mean, a recording tonight. Fucking hell, what an outro. You know what? Don't worry. The preview will be out tomorrow. Follow us on Instagram if you want to stay updated in a less confusing fashion than me explaining it. Instagram at not just a sports report. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And until next time, hope you enjoyed NRL Power. And take care of yourselves until NRL Preview tomorrow. Sure.